and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce to you our guest for this week, Nadia Last. Nadia is a human design teacher, spiritual mentor, and host of The Current Podcast, a show unpacking the changing energetic tides of our collective consciousness. Nadia also assists psychedelic therapy retreats and is currently a therapist in training. I feel like you're going to fall in love with Nadia listening to this episode, just as I fell in love with Nadia first in listening to her podcast, The Current, but being introduced to her work and her light in the world and then getting to talk with her. I feel like this conversation was just like a love fest back and forth because that's who Nadia is. So in this episode, we dive into human design and how your human design chart can help you understand different things about yourself, including best ways that we can practice rest, best ways in honoring both the masculine and feminine energies that we have within our body and how to lean into maybe more of our feminine qualities, those qualities that are more restful, easeful, flowing, being in a place of magnetism versus the masculine energy of doing and pushing and producing. So we talk about how the chart can help you kind of understand what masculine and feminine energies are really working at play within your chart. We also talk about how looking at your chart, you can determine your life path. And Nadia does a little mini reading on my chart, which I think is really always helpful for people to kind of look at a chart as they're talking about this stuff, because this stuff can feel really dense and and difficult to understand at times, but Nadia breaks it down in a really clear way. And so as you're listening to this episode, if you feel inspired, you can pull up your own human design chart. Nadia will give you instructions in the podcast episode on how to do that. You can kind of follow along and see if any of these things apply and if you can kind of glean any insight from listening to this episode while looking up your chart. I also really appreciated talking to Nadia because we talked about her story and I find her story with religion and spirituality and navigating dark nights of the soul, how she was able to come out of that and find a really deep connection to her voice and to her soul's purpose and to her life path in this life. You'll hear a lot of beautiful, juicy things. We talk a little bit about magic, fangirl over Harry Potter together. It was just a really fun conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with you today. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Nadia Last. Hello, Nadia. Thank you so much for coming on the Creative Soul Podcast. It is amazing to be here. I feel really honored. I love the synchronicities that we've discovered in our stories already. And I can't wait to discover more. I am so excited. It feels like even as we took this breath, which I always start my conversations with a breath and you suggested that we take a breath before I even said anything. And I just feel like we've opened this magical container. So I'm so excited to see where it will go, but I will start off with the first question that I ask everyone when they come on. And that is, 
what is currently fueling your creative soul? Mm, my God, what a great question. What is currently fueling your creative soul? What's currently fueling my creative soul is slowing down, even though summer seems to speed up and up and up and up and up. And I'm speaking to folks in the Northern hemisphere that are experiencing the summer season right now. It's chaotic and frenetic and fast paced. If the winter is all about slowing down and wintering really well, the summer is all about externalizing and being out in the world and traveling. And I'm really enjoying slowing down amidst the hecticness of summer. Mm, so is, yeah. What does slowing down look like for you? Yeah. It's, it's not feeling pressured to be out in the world as much. It's starting the day, not looking at my phone. The mm -hmm. first thing it's taking deep breaths. It's singing a lot and being outside. Oh, I love that. Wow. Yeah. It's funny that that's juxtaposed with like what summer is supposed to look like. And even we were just talking before this, like even in nature, you see everything's blooming and it's kind of the busy season for nature. But I have also kind of felt in that space of wanting to do less and like wanting to do less and less and less and trying to find those pockets and those ways of just taking things off my plate so that I can just be, because we're so used to filling our plates and filling our schedules, especially during this season. But I, I, I feel a resonance with that. So well said. And it feels a little rebellious when you see everybody else just like busy bees out in the world. And I took like an hour yesterday just to go outside and actually just look up at this beautiful oak tree that I have in our backyard. And I didn't do anything for an hour, but stare up at this tree. And I only remember pockets of doing that when I was in childhood, really. And so it just felt really simple. It was free. It <laughs> didn't take very much. And yeah, just taking those pockets feels a little bit rebellious. It totally does. And even as you're saying that, I feel like in my own journey that I've had like this desire to slow down or this desire to do nothing or this desire to be. But then when I have cleared the schedule and I'm like, okay, can I spend an hour just being? And it's so hard to turn off that mind and to allow my body to feel safe enough that I can just do that. So even you saying that you were able to do that so freely and effortlessly, I think just speaks to the testament of, of the work that you've done. So just wanted to honor and acknowledge you for that. Cause I think that's an ever evolving journey that I'm working on to really not only tell myself that it's okay to slow down, but actually experience that in my body. Right. And thank you for saying that. It's such a journey for me too, because the thoughts creep in, like you should be doing things right now. There are things on the to-do list. Have you earned this rest right now? Can you shut off the mind? Because the world is so chaotic right now. There's so many news headlines to feel anxious about and, and things happening. And yeah, it, it takes a lot of like mental, just like quieting for me to get to the point where it's like, it's safe. You're not behind. You can just rest. Your worth is not in how much you do. You have more than enough time to do what you're here to do. Yeah. Mm. It's so funny that we kind of started off this way, because even as I was like thinking of questions that I wanted to ask you, one of those things were human design and rest. And like, how does looking at our human design 
how can we incorporate? Cause I think a lot of human design is about, or like, yeah, about how we respond or how we make decisions and how we kind of move through the world. But does human design speak to ways in which we can rest? A thousand percent. And Leah, have you had anybody on the podcast yet to talk about human design? I've had a couple and we've gone kind of like basic overview. So I feel like we're ready to go a little bit more in depth, but also if we can, you know, if we want to give a little overview for people who haven't heard of it. Yeah. So human design is a system that I just kind of stumbled into over the past few years. It's a tool similar to astrology that using only your birth time, it generates basically a chart of your body and it tells you how your energy is uniquely here to work. And I realized just hearing that alone is enough for people to be like, what are you talking about? It's not a system to believe in. It's kind of like the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or any of those sort of personality type quizzes, except it doesn't rely on your own self-insight to answer the questions. It's completely objective. Mm. And all it's here for you to do is hear these things about yourself and drop into yourself and say, does this resonate with me or not? And... Again, it's something that I would be probably rolling my eyes about if I had not experienced the magic myself. Mm -hmm. And I've given 400 or so readings now. And even the most skeptical people, my partner included, was the biggest skeptic. Now use the language of human design to be like, this is how I am. This is how I've always felt. And now I just have the language to articulate it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really cool. And Leigh, I can't wait to get into your human design chart because your life path is all about love. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I feel like I've had a couple human design readings, but again, they were very like general overview and I would, yeah, I would love to get into that more maybe later, but I want to start off with you and your story. And I love how you articulated how human design can just kind of validate what we already know. How did human design come into your life and how has it changed your life? Oh, that's such a beautiful question. And I could answer that differently. I feel like every day, but what feels most important to share now is that I found human design through a friend. She just texted me about it. And I felt this like zing in my body when she sent the text. It's something I've never felt before. And who knows if I'll feel it again, but it was just kind of like this recognition in my body, but my mind had no idea what it was. And it found me at such an important time in my life because I was experiencing what some people refer to as the dark night of the soul, which is sort of what happens on the precipice of a spiritual awakening. What I mean by spiritual awakening is that I had achieved everything that I thought that I wanted on paper. I'd climbed the corporate ladder. I got the job that I thought that I wanted. I had achieved what my entire life up until that point was gunning toward. And I got to the top of that ladder that I was climbing and I felt so empty. And it was terrifying because I spent all my energy just climbing this ladder. Like once I get to the top, I'll be good. Like, it's okay. Like keep going, going, going. I was totally in burnout and adrenal fatigue at that point. And I got this job, this job offer in a financial technology company in San Francisco. And on the first day of this job, I felt so depleted and so deflated. And it was so terrifying to me because I'm like, if this isn't it, what is it? I felt like my entire life was a sham. Like everything that I had been working for was not actually, so what is my life about? Do I have any reason for living outside of work? And I couldn't 
answer that question. And so I was spiraling a bit and I spent a lot of time journaling. This was before COVID. So I kind of feel like I had my own mini COVID before this pandemic took hold. Mm. <laughs> I was like staying home a lot. I was journaling a lot. I was like, I don't know what's happening with me. The person that I'm still partnered with, we were living together and he was like, what's going on with you? And I was like, I have no idea. I just feel like everything is meaningless and I don't know what it is. And I was just seeking any system that could give me answers about who am I? What do I care about? And human design was such a pivotal tool for me because it basically told me that you are here, you live for growth and you are a catalyst for growth for other people. And you might not be able to see that within yourself right now, but you're here to guide people. My energy type is a projector, which we can get into. Mm -hmm. You're here to guide people back home to themselves. You're here to help them transform. And it was after reading my chart that I had this kind of like faint flicker of a memory that when I was in college, the class that I loved the most was taught by the school of marriage and family therapy. Mm. And so I felt that flicker of recognition in college, just for a fleeting moment that like, I would love to guide people. I would love to be a therapist. And that's when it sort of like came back on. Mm. Whoa. That's so, I love, I love that it becomes to this like connection of therapy and kind of human design can be such an insight into how, like what our souls came here to be and what our souls came here to do. And to couple that with therapy, I think is like I, I winning combination, which just, just to be able to understand ourselves better. And this question is coming up because I was just listening to your story on your podcast, The Current, which is beautiful. And also your, I have to say that your voice too, just already makes me feel like at home and feels so soothing. So just wanted to say that, but you spoke a lot about in your story about how you grew up with this religious upbringing. And I'm curious, and people should check out your story if they want to hear more, maybe you can give them a little bit of an overview, but I want to know how how has your spirituality evolved now and where are you at with it today, especially coming from such a religious background and kind of leaving that religion and answering those, like having that inner turmoil and answering those questions within and how, you know, where are you at with that today? And, and what is it feeling like for you? Well, thank you so much. People can't see us, but I had my hand over my heart when you <laughs> shared that reflection. I received that so deeply and I could say the very same about your voice. I feel so comforted. So I'm so happy that you're podcasting as well. But yeah, I feel like my journey with religion is kind of like a giant boomerang. I started in a very religious home growing up. We went to church like two, three times a week. And we were part of a congregation that was like 100, 125 people. So everyone knew everyone. And I remember feeling like a very, I don't know if I'd use the words at the time, but spiritually connected kid. Mm -hmm. And growing up, I, I grew up Christian. There was God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a kid being like, well, God and Jesus are boys, so I can't really connect with them. And the Holy Spirit felt like the most accessible to me. So I remember like really feeling connected to the, what I called the Holy Spirit all the time. Like I felt so guided toward life and guided in and through life. But then as I started to read the Bible more and I saw things that were happening in the church and how patriarchal it was as an institution and how judgmental it felt, honestly, mm -hmm. I got really turned off to religion. And I saw how religious institutions were taking these teachings that were all about trying to love yourself and others and distorting it. So I kind of like shut the door to Christianity. And 
at a certain level, and I hope some people listening to this can relate to this, I felt like I'd been believing in Santa Claus until I was like 12. And so I felt kind of duped and silly. I was like, why, why did I even believe in all this stuff? Did I make up all the Holy Spirit stuff altogether? So I became kind of hopefully agnostic from probably 12, 13 up until, you know, only a few years ago. And so I'd like shut the door entirely. And I basically put my faith, I've never described it like this before, but I took my faith in the Holy Spirit and shifted it into faith in corporations and financial institutions and making money and trying to outrun. I had a very financially scarce upbringing. So trying to outrun that scarcity and say, I don't want to feel that scarcity anymore. I'm going to make money. And and that's where I'm going to put all of my effort and all of my values. So fast forward to I'm making the money, more money than my parents have made in this lifetime. I'm like doing the thing. So why do I feel so empty? Hmm. And where do I want to go with this? That, that basically in that searching process, I found spirituality and what feels different about spirituality and almost like a return to my relationship to the Holy spirit is that it's from within. Hmm. You're not looking to external institutions to tell you the answer. Like I really get hives, honestly, thinking about churches being like, this is the truth. You follow our way. It's, it's this way or bust. I feel like spirituality is just turning on this inner knowing that we each have. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love human design. Honestly, it's like, you are so different from me, Leah. Mm-hmm. And human design can kind of point you back in the direction of how you can tap into yourself to know what's best for you. And as a therapist, I'm going to use human design and help people, you know, like you are your own best authority. I'm not the authority you are. Mm. So Leah, specifically, you're meant to tap into your gut to make decisions. You are a sacral being. You are meant to trust your gut moment by moment. And um, yeah, I think that feels sufficient for now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a beautiful answer. And yeah, just, I mean, it, I think it were, and I don't know if you've heard about like how we're in this period, this shifting this shifting, you know, we've been in one era, let's say from, I think like, and I think human design says like from like four, really is like, since like Columbus founded America until like now. And it's like, we're really shifting into this new era. And it does seem like we are focusing now more on the individual. And I think all of these systems that we can access stuff like astrology, stuff like human design, it, it kind of gives you that like blueprint of your individuality and honoring our individuality because we all do make decisions so differently. And we also operate through the world so differently. And so this structure that we've created, especially thinking about like the nine to five and going to school and, you know, you're expected to be in school from age five until 25 or whatever that is all kind of following the same path. I'm so glad that now we're in this era where it is shifting and we are kind of accepting more individual paths because how can we all take the same path and expect us to like all react to it in the same way when we are all so different and each person is going to have their own unique path. So yeah, it just made me think about that. I love that you brought this up. This is also like pretty advanced human design that you're bringing up. So you've clearly been studying and like reading. 
I, I dabble. I listen. I listen. You know, I, I hear about different things. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I'm so excited that this conversation's coming up because we actually were talking about this in my human design training Q and A literally cool. this week. So there's something in the water around curiosity about this. So totally. for those listening, if you don't know what Leah's talking about, basically, according to human design, our planet moves through transits, meaning there's sort of like energy on the planet that lasts for a certain amount of time. And this energy that's been on the planet for the last 400 years or so has been, it's called the cross of planning. Hmm. So it's all about tribal institutions. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Let's barter, let's trade. Let's basically create all of these different communal structures to organize ourselves and our communities. So it's been very communally based. And to your point, this is how our modern day governments came into play and our medical institutions and all of the ways that we organize ourselves as a society have happened in the last 400 years. And it's amazing that we have those, those things. But now we're moving through one of the most seismic changes in human history. You know, like being alive on this planet is no joke because all of these systems that have served us up until a point are kind of buckling under the weight of mm -hmm. having so many people on the planet and they need a revision basically. And so a lot of these systems are being kind of rewritten and changed in real time. Our educational systems, we're kind of waking up to this realization like, hey, why are we all schooled the same way if we're all so different? Mm. And why are we doing things like standardized testing that tells one person you're smart and the other person you're not and doesn't actually like find every person's unique intelligence. Mm. And so, and I'll make this brief in 2027, it's prophesized according to human design that we're going to shift into a completely new paradigm, a completely new transit. And that's called the cross of the sleeping Phoenix, which is kind of like this person rising from the ashes. And effectively the whole theme of the next 400 years is the awakening of the individual. Mm. We all have a unique set of gifts. We all have a unique life path that we're here to play out. And instead of placing your trust in government and educational systems and religion and churches, you have to tune inward to trust yourself. Mm. Oh, I love that. And it's so funny because I think human design kind of prophesizes that. And I love that image of the sleeping Phoenix. That's beautiful. But I was, I don't know if you've heard about the condor eagle prophecy, which is, I think it's in the Inca tradition in South America. And it's this like hundreds year old prophecy, like where it really lines up same with human design, where we were in like the condor, it represents femininity and the eagle represents masculinity. And so for the last like 400 years, we've been in this very masculine era, the era of the eagle, and they've kind of repressed the condor. And now we're entering a new era where the condor and the eagle are like supposed to integrate and blend together. And I think that is so beautiful that it's mirrored in human design as well. And I think I mean, if we've lit, if you've been on the planet in the last couple of years, we can definitely feel the shift <laughs> and it does feel chaotic and it does feel like we're kind of going through our own collective dark night, dark night of the soul, but it's so beautiful to remember that there is hope on the other side and that we can like only hopefully good things can come out of, out of these times. Totally. Oh my God. It's so beautiful the way you just said that. And I think the, the point being we can all agree that there's ways that we could organize ourselves better on the planet right now. There are ways that things could be better. 
And I think we're going through this collective death rebirth process. Like it's only as the old things fall away that we can actually make space for newness. So it's uncomfortable because it feels like everything's happening at the same time. But I I totally hold your vision as well, Leah, of like hope for what's going to happen on the other side of this. Yeah, totally. I feel like I have so many questions for you related to human design, but maybe it'll make more sense if we do it through the lens of looking at my chart and then hopefully some of those questions can come out and kind of benefit everyone listening, but yeah, will you just dive in and take us where you want to go? Absolutely. So I have your chart up right now. Do you have your chart up as well? I don't, but I will. Cool. So as Leah pulls this up, if you want to look up your human design chart and follow along, you can basically go to any free human design site. I use mybodygraph.com. And just put in your birth information. You do need your exact birth time, at least within a two-hour window. And I've heard of some people's charts that shift substantially even within minutes of the same birth time, but that's more rare. When you pull pull that up, if you've never done this before, you're in for a bit of a shock, you'll see this kooky-looking graph that shows up. And it's kind of like the shape of a person, but they don't have legs. It's very odd looking. (laughs) And basically what you're looking at is a map of your unique energetic body. So where you see all of the white spaces are where you take in energy from the world around you. And Leah, you have a lot of white spaces, white centers, white chakras. And where you see the color is where you have unique and consistent access to your own energy. Mm. So Leah, you only have two centers that you're consistently creating energy from, but they power a lot. Mm. So we can focus on that today as we, as we kind of do a, a mini reading, but yeah, this is. What's the question that's coming up for you? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've been, you know, I like try to share human design with as many people as I can. And they're always like, oh, you know, does it define, you know, if it's open, does that mean it's bad? If it's, if it's defined, does that mean that it's good? Like, cause, and it's so interesting cause I have seven siblings and yeah, seven siblings and all of their charts. Like I recently pulled up all of their charts and the, my, one of my sisters who were the closest in age out of all of our siblings she has every single center defined. And so compared to me who has mostly like nothing defined, it gave me such a a unique insight into our relationship and how our dynamic was and our different energy and how I probably took a lot on of what was hers. And so, yeah, I guess for, for everyone else listening, like, is it bad or is it good? Or what does that really mean? And how can we work with those energies? Beautiful. So Leah, first of all, people can't see my face as you were speaking. My jaw was on the floor. First, when I heard that you have seven siblings, that's so many siblings and what a beautiful big family. There's so much to unpack just in that. Oh, yes. And then second, that the person closest in birth order to you had nine of the nine centers defined or filled in, colored in. Yeah. And just so you know, contextually, that is incredibly rare, like wow. in the one to 2% of people. That's so crazy. I've actually never pulled up a chart that's had every single center defined before. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, I, it's so interesting and I don't, and it's interesting to see like how it shows up for her. If it does show up, I I don't know. Yeah, totally. And, and the good or bad that's bringing us into what human design talks about is conditioning, societal conditioning, like, and even talking about the Eagle versus the condor, we've been in a very patriarchal society and kind of distorted masculinity. And so you can kind of think of the defined versus the undefined centers as masculine, putting things out in the world, this like young energy 
versus feminine receptivity, taking things in the condor. And so the fact that people say good or bad shows us how patriarchal, how we've been kind of conditioned by this patriarchal society to say, if you're putting things out in the world and you're, and you're, you know, putting your energy out, that's good. And if you're receiving energy, that's bad. When we really need to bring this back into balance and recognize there is no good or bad. It just is. And we need to kind of bring our femininity back online and say, there is so much power and beauty in receptivity and receiving. And if you haven't read the book, Leigh, I'm sure you have, but it's women who run with the wolves. Mm, yeah. Yes. So even if you're not identified as a woman or a female in this lifetime, I think I know all of us hold both masculine and feminine energy within us. And so reading this book really helped me understand the feminine archetype as relates to a wolf where it's watchful and it's receptive, but it's fierce and protective and it's playful and silly. And there's so much in receptivity. But yeah, Leah, the fact that you have seven out of the nine centers open, undefined, it just means that you have a lot of capacity for wisdom and for receptivity and feeling other people's energy and knowing how to make sense of it. Mm, First of all, just thank you. Like, again, people can't see us, but I'm beaming because I've never heard it described that way of thinking of the defined centers being a bit more masculine and the open centers being more feminine. And I just recorded, and I just released this solo episode where I talked about kind of the patriarchy and what we value and how we don't value those feminine qualities because they don't make money. I mean, they can make money, but we value that like hustle culture and the masculinity of doing and producing so that we can make money versus a feminine being who wants to go look at the Oak tree for an hour. And there's nothing that she gains from society by doing that except for in her being and her soul. And how, and that is like so valuable and how we've just gotten value so messed up in our culture. And, and so hopefully we're moving towards a bit more of that balance, but yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I do feel like I, and I, when I was, I've really been diving into lately, like how sensitive I am. And I think looking at my human design chart, it really gave me this validation of like, oh, wow, not only do I feel sensitive, but looking at my chart, I'm so sensitive and realizing how I kind of cut myself off from that sensitivity because I was trying to participate in the, you know, rigor of academic success and the rigor of the professional world and all of those things, which I think a lot of us can relate to because we all live in this, these systems. And I was seeing my open centers and my sensitivity as kind of like a hindrance of like, man, I take on so much. I don't even know what's mine. But having you contextualize that in that way, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just get to receive. What a beautiful gift. It's what makes you so good at this podcast. I was just reading through some of the beautiful reflections that you have on your podcast space on on Apple Podcasts, the reviews that you have. And basically every person said that they loved your ability to tell stories Mm -hmm. and your ability to hold space for others. Mm -hmm. So that receptivity is such a gift because you're sitting with every person and really feeling so much from them and directing the conversation accordingly. And even this paradigm that you can't make money, like staring at the oak tree, that's just one example of receptivity and femininity. Like you're creating this podcast, which will hopefully be hugely successful for you in, you know, maybe in indirect ways, but through your ability to really own your power and receptivity. Mm, Totally. You like, you can, you just, 
spoke what, what I feel, which is also such a gift for you to have, because to be able to feel it in one is one thing, but to be able to articulate it and to share that gift with others is a totally separate thing. And so just thank you. Yeah. I'm curious, like if we can talk a little bit about gates and channels, because I think that's something that not a lot of people talk about. And so far on this podcast, we haven't really dove into gates and channels. So will you give us an overview of like, what is a, what makes a gate? What makes a channel? How can we dive deeper into our specific gates and channels? Yeah. So Leah, I love that you asked this question because gates and channels are my love love affair with human design. Oh. I love the energy types. I love strategy and authority, which is basically your decision-making and how your energy moves through this world. That's a very foundational aspect of human design. So for those listening, Leia is a sacral or gut-based generator. And I am a splenic or intuition and feeling-based in the moment projector. So those are sort of like foundational pieces that you'll read and hear a lot about. It's kind of like an astrology. You, you hear about your sun sign a lot, but it goes so much deeper into your nuances and gates are actually, I'll back up. Human design as a system is not entirely new. Hmm. It's basically a synthesis of four ancient modalities that humans have been using to better understand themselves for centuries. So it's part Western astrology. It's part Hindu, the Hindu Brahmin chakra system, the wheels of energy. It's part Chinese I Ching, the book of changes, kind of like observing the patterns of the seasons. And then it's part Jewish Kabbalah tree of life. And the reason why I named these esoteric systems is because gates and channels come from the I Ching and from the Kabbalah tree of life. Oh, cool. So it's just like a layer deeper. And that's why human design can feel kind of overwhelming when you first pull up your chart. It's because it's like all of these systems stacking on top of each other. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I love all that. It comes from all those like mystical traditions. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I feel like as a, you know, facilitator of the system that I want to pay respect to the cultural lineages that the system pulls from. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's so important to just be aware of what it comes from. Cause yeah, I've never, I've never heard anyone talk about that. So, and, and I think it is so true that people get really overwhelmed. Like they see this and they're like, well, I don't know what this means. I don't know how to read it. And I'm like, I'm, I don't know how to read it. Like, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's a journey that you go on to, to be able to get to those layers and depths. And of course you can have a reading from someone like you, who is so wonderful and is able to see all of that and is able to give that overview and to go deeper into people. And so definitely get a reading if you want to know more, but for me, it's like, it feels like this ever evolving journey of like just uncovering another piece and uncovering another piece. And, and yeah, it's just been really cool to like, to, 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 it's like just to start off, but then like you said, to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. And I will say that for me, it feels like this tool that kind of like speaks through me. So I'll pull up someone's chart for a reading and there's so much to talk about. We could talk about your chart for three days straight, seriously. And I'll sort of like, let the chart kind of say what it wants to speak about. And I'll say for you right now, Leah, your, your moon signs want to be spoken about if, if you would want to hear about them. I would love to. Yay. Okay. So your moon is basically like your inner world, kind of like how the moon only shows up at night. The moon is like your internal emotional world. People might not know these qualities about you until they talk to you for a while. Mm. It's what internally kind of like motivates you. So you have two gates that your moon is in. The first you're consciously aware of. So you probably know that you are this way. So your inner world, your, your moon consciously is called 
the gate of influence, gate 31. You are here to have an influential voice. You're here to share the future that you see. You're here to use your voice and speak on behalf of the vision that you see for humanity. And a lot of people that I work with, with the gate of influence, it's a leadership gate. And so you are likely thrust unexpectedly into positions of leadership as you move through life. And I'll pause there. Does that mean something to you? Totally. Like just paving, paving the path that no one's gone down before. And I think we all do this in our own way, because if we are listening to our unique soul calling, then it will look like nothing that anyone has ever done before. But I have always felt that calling. I mean, I come from a background of musical theater and being on stage and performing. And now, of course, have the podcast and, and yeah, in a way, feel like I'm paving my own soul's unique path. So that's, that's absolutely resonant. Yeah. And you're going to find that your voice almost surprises you in how much strength you can find through it and how much people are really impacted by the words that you say. And this is where human design becomes nuanced, that this gate is connected to your undefined throat. Mm. And so as a podcaster, you will find the most power when you wait until there's something really meaningful to say. Mm. You won't always have the energy to talk all the time, but when you do, it's going to be juicy. And you have this ability to speak on behalf of what needs to be said. Uh, Oh my gosh. Yes. This is like exactly what I needed to hear because I will sometimes sit down to record, record like solo episodes and it's something just won't feel right. And it'll feel like I'm kind of like pushing and then I'll get kind of frustrated and give up. And I'm like, no, it's just not working today. And then if I allow enough time to wait, it's like, then I just sit down and it all flows perfectly. And I'm like, oh yeah, duh. Like I have to wait. I have to wait for that, that time when I feel ready and not when I feel like I need to be ready because I need to get something out and not feeling that like pressure from the outside world, which I think makes a lot of sense with an undefined throw. I feel like there is a lot of like pressures that you can feel instead of allowing it to arise naturally from within you. Totally. Leah, you're so, you have so much self-insight and actually your throat, having an undefined throat, you're in the minority of the population. Only 30% of people don't have that throat motor defined. And again, notice you're like, mind wanting to be like, is that a bad thing? It's, it's actually a beautiful thing because you're not just speaking for the sake of speaking. Like your voice carries a ton of weight and what you're waiting on is not just your own process. You're actually feeling into when the collective needs something to be said. Mm, mm. Yeah, that feels really good. So it's like you, you're feeling your podcast audience in this community that you're building and you'll literally feel in your throat, like, whoa, this is like what needs to be said right now. Mm, yeah, totally. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Thank you. Of course. Do you want to hear about the other moon sign? I would love to. So the other thing that really motivates you, and again, influences and leadership is motivating to you and using your voice to influence change and the vision that you see. The other gate that you have is called the gate of assimilation, gate 23. What's wild is that this gate is also connected to your undefined throat. So it's so important that you're using your voice. Now, this gift is all about being able to split foundations apart. Other people are like, well, this is the way that we've always done things. So we will continue to do it this way. And you have this ability to speak into things and be like, well, what if we tried it a little bit differently? What if we just shifted the foundations of this house a little bit? And all of a sudden we double our square footage. 
And everyone is like, wait, what? Like, where did you even come up with that? How do you know that there's a different way of doing things? And you just have this means of kind of like rearranging Mm. things that other people took for granted. Oh, I love, I, that one really like, as soon as you said it, it felt like something that I need to lean into more because I think that I do feel that intuitively as in like, I'll see things and I'm like, that just doesn't make sense. And why are we doing things that don't make sense? But then I'm like, oh my gosh, it's too much effort to speak up or to attempt to change when I'm just like, whatever people can do what they want, you know, let them do their thing. But I think that's definitely something that I can start to lean into more, which kind of goes back to trusting my voice, which has been a huge journey for me in my life. And I, I know you're a singer too. And I kind of want to talk to you about singing, especially as a lot of this, like undefined throat stuff is coming up just throat stuff in general of using our voice and sharing our voice and how vulnerable that can be. And the process that we take to trust ourselves and our voice, because our voice is that like physical manifestation of your like, and, and maybe you probably know this, but our vocal cords match, or they look very similar to our, I don't know what the right terminology, but like our vaginal area, the fold in the vagina, like mirror the vocal cord. So they, there's this direct connection to our vagina, to our sexual like system and our throat, which also goes so deep into creativity and sexuality and like all of that stuff. So I bring that up because I feel like there is so much that the feminine can lean into in trusting that and like using that power which again is, feels very much of that condor energy of like, this can be the new way instead of the very masculine old paradigm way of, you know, effort and force. And I want to say repression, repression of that. When, if we kind of allow our voices to open up and we allow ourselves to open up, I, yeah. So I don't know totally where that's going, but it feels like something was there. <laughs> it's huge. And I love it because that's your undefined throat and its power. You were f- picking up on this collective, like uprising and letting it speak mm. through you. And I think it's so beautiful, actually, this connection between the vagina and the throat, like almost like thinking of that as an electric or energetic current that moves through your body. It's like from this feminine, from your womb space, like letting that move up through your throat and the throat in human design is literally the manifestation center. It's, oh. you know, it's not enough to think something. And of course mm-hmm. our thoughts can can move things into what we want out of life, but it's when we start speaking what we want mm-hmm. that things that the universe starts to move in the direction of what it is that we're pointed toward. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. So when you say that I have two gates or do you say two gates or two channels? Two gates. Two gates. So what does a what is the differentiation between a gate and a channel? Great question. So there are 64 gates and it's part of the I Ching again, if you can remember. So a lot of people actually have tarot decks that are the 64 gates in the I Ching. It's responsible for all the major like archetypes or themes of what it means to be a human. And I don't know why I'm offering you this much detail, but, but basically you know where it's coming from. And so each of these gates have a partner that connects to the other side and creates a channel. Mm -hmm. So it's like a bridge. But a lot of us, if you have just one half of that channel, that means that we have a hanging gate. So if you're looking at your chart right now, again, pull it up on my body graph or any similar site, you can see the different gates. Like Leah, you can see 
yours, that 23, that gate 23 connected to the undefined throat, mm. it doesn't have the 43 on the other side of it. Mm. Yeah. So you have one half of that channel. And again, that's not good or bad. It's just that as you move into the world, you're going to seek other people who have the other part of the energy, mm. which I happen to have the other side of it. Oh, um, I love that. <laughs> and that gets us into a whole thing about like family readings and relationship readings and business partner meeting. Like, oh, it's so cool because you can stack two charts on top of each other and see where you complete each other. That's so cool. Cause I have another friend who reads, who does human design readings. And she looked at mine and my partner's chart. And she said that our charts together kind like complete the chart because we have like those opposite gates. And I know you do also partner readings and family readings as well. So if people are interested, definitely reach out, but it's so cool that we kind of like seek that other half because we're seeking what we don't have so that we can kind of complete complete the energy wheel. Yes. Oh my God. One of my favorite things about human design is realizing like you're not deficient. You have everything that you need on your soul's path. You perfectly curated the gifts that you have. And if you want something that you don't have, it's because we're meant to partner with each other. We're meant to collaborate with one another. Like it's all perfect. And if you spend all your time trying to become someone else, you're going to miss the magic of being you. Mm. What is your, what energy type is your partner? He's actually this, so we're both two, four generators, but he's emotional authority and I'm sacral authority. Very cool. Yeah. And that probably in and of itself creates so much more understanding between you two that you're meant to make decisions in the moment from your gut and he needs time to feel into Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. I want to go back to what you said about like life path. And you said, my life path is all about love. Will you speak more about what is the life path? Where do you find that in the chart? And yeah, how do people start to dive into that and kind of understand what their soul's life path is? It's literally the coolest thing. I still can't believe that there is a system that gets into such specificity about who you're here to be. Mm. And it won't say, you won't look up your chart and it's like, Leah, you're going to write this book and have this (laughs) podcast and have this job. Like, it's not like that. But if you're looking at your chart for those following along, there are boxes that have numbers on either side of what's called the body graph and the top right two boxes, which Leah, yours are 10 and 15. Mm -hmm. And then the top left boxes in red, which yours are 46 and 25 together, those four gifts as they weave together tell the story of your life path. Oh, cool. It's like and Gene Keys. Yes. Gene Keys was actually inspired by human design. Okay, the, cool. the founder of Gene Keys studied under the founder of human design. Oh my God. I love how it's just all connected and kind of all the same, but different ways of like looking totally. at it. And I love all the different systems and ways in because it's just, we're just describing energy. And so there are a million different ways to describe the same energy. Mm. Wow. I love that. Do you, so- when that, when those four things on either side, the right and the left, how can we like, do people just Google like, okay, what does line 10 mean? Or like, how do you know how they work together? And maybe that's a very detailed question, but yeah. No, it's a beautiful question. And I actually, there's a book that I really love. It's called the book of destinies and it has, there are over 190 life paths. So you can look at this book and actually read like a full page about what your life path is about. And I have yours and I can read it to you for sure, because that's kind of like my foundational readings. I'll go through your energy type, your strategy, your authority, your channels, your gates. Then for like the last hurrah, I'll read them their life path. And I had a client the other day describe it in such a beautiful way. She was like, I feel like I'm Harry Potter 
and I'm going to the wand store for the first time. And there's this perfect wand that's exactly for me, the right, like the Phoenix feather and all this stuff. And she's like, I feel like you just, you're Ollivander, the, the wand shop owner, yes. handing me my Harry Potter wand. Oh my God. That is the best visual ever. I, as a, someone who's read the Harry Potter books, like all throughout my childhood, multiple times, once I finished, I would start over and read them again. That is like the best feeling ever. So I love that you give that gift to others. I love Harry Potter so much. I Uh, still listen to the books on tape. My partner and I will listen to them before we fall asleep. The books on tape are incredible. Yes. And I honestly, this is kind of a digression. I'm going to come back to your path being all about love. But I really feel like Harry Potter, I know in my bones, it was a channeled series. There are so many spiritual lessons human lessons in Harry Potter, like you ad infinitum. You are speaking my love language right now because I grew up like truly believing that Harry Potter was real and that it existed in this like other reality. And I remember waiting for my letter to Hogwarts and truly believing that I was going to receive it. And I remember when I was around like 10 or 11 and like around that time, we found this like piece of paper like on the floor and like it was like no one knew where it came from and we had this like heater I don't know this like graded heater over the floor and connected to kind of like a chimney and one day there was just this letter there and it wasn't a Hogwarts letter I don't even know what the paper said but I remember thinking so like viscerally that it's like oh my god my letter was just dropped off by an owl here is my letter and I'm going to Hogwarts and you know of course that you know in my childhood fantasies but I love I love that you bring that up because I think there are so many spiritual lessons from Harry Potter and it's so much magic to be gained from her work. A thousand percent. And I think to that point, that's why it feels so channeled to me because mm-hmm. there were beings that JK Rowling was working with beyond herself. I like, if you've read about the story of how Harry Potter came to her, she was just giving her kids bedtime stories and it like flowed through. And so wow. it doesn't actually have to be about JK Rowling at all for you to connect with this like bigger. And there's a reason why none of her subsequent books really had the same impact because I really don't feel like it was her. She was the channel. It came through. Totally. Oh my gosh. I I love that you brought that into this conversation. (laughs) I love Harry Potter so much. And I also think that you really believing that it existed at an alternate plane. I mean, it does to some respect, like, we are magical beings. I I feel like me having my spiritual awakening is realizing like, whoa, there is so much more magic in the universe than our eyes can see, Mm. than what we can feel, than what is tangible. Mm. Yeah. I I don't, have you ever sat with ayahuasca? Not yet. Not yet. Do you feel called to? I am currently talk about manifestation. I'm calling in an ayahuasca ceremony. I know of a handful that haven't felt right, but I actually assist psychedelic therapeutic retreats. Wow. Oh my gosh. Of course you do. I feel like everything about this is so divine. And if you want, I'll send you the place that I went to, if if you want to feel into that. But I remember when I, I I sat in ceremony once, or I I guess twice, but in the same weekend, and I had never done any psychedelics before. And as soon as it like started to hit me, I was just like this feeling of remembering came over me. And this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I can't say that I've never done this before. Like I've totally been here before. I've done this before. And I was remembering like all of these magical dimensions and realities that exist. And I was like, wait a second. 
all those books and those movies about like dragons and mermaids and unicorns and dinosaurs, like it's real. Magic is real. Like it, it exists. And that was like the first like couple hours of my ceremony where I was just remembering, like just truly remembering of like magic is real. So that's a beautiful reminder for me to remember too, in this moment, because I, it's so easy to lose that. And it's so easy to think that what we see and what we hear and what we feel is the only reality that exists, but it's just so not true. It's so not true. I love that that was your experience because Mm. you're clearly so connected to it, even if it's subconsciously in the Mm. work that you're doing in the world. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I work with other plant medicines, but it's the same sort of effect where people will be opened up to Ram Das describes it like I am home when he had his first psilocybin journey, he was like, I'm home. And people will come back and be like, wait, I have to come back to this world, this yeah. reality that is like so hard and physical and dense. And like, yes. people have this sort of like come down being like, oh, I don't want to, like, I want to be back in those dimensions of love and light. And yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. Like sometimes people will say like during your ayahuasca journey, you can you know, go through a lot of traumas or, or like kind of revisit some traumas or revisit some like childhood stuff. And I was kind of hoping for that. But in my journey, I was like, I don't want to go to earth. Like, earth, like I'm so sad for people on earth because people on earth don't remember this. I was in this like place of light and, and heaven. I honestly felt like I was in heaven and I was just like, no, I'm not going to look at that, which I think also is pointing a lot of stuff out to me where it's like, okay, I, I, I did need to look at that stuff. And that's what's brought me more deeply here on earth. And so that, I think that it's funny looking back at that because I think that was like a little inkling of like, okay, maybe you have been avoiding some stuff that you should actually look at. But I just remember that feeling of like, ah, I'm so sad for people on earth because they, they don't remember we forgot. And so, yeah, that's really funny. And it's exactly related to your life path, Leah, because you're born under, it's called the cross of the vessel of love. Mm. And so what you're here to help people remember is how to love. Mm. And you are the frequency of love and love, as we describe it on this plane is really cheesy. It's like Hallmark cards. It's like romantic love. Your love is much deep. Love is like the energy that moves through our universe. It powers everything. It's creation energy. And you're able to tap into the purity of love, which is just like deep compassion and seeing this and awareness, like loving awareness, Mm -hmm. acceptance without judgment, love of the body, love of the self, love of diversity. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that's basically just your life path. Mm. It's so interesting hearing you say that in this context that I'm in right now, because I think if I had heard that maybe a couple of years ago, I'm like, oh yeah, love is, you know, feeling those good feelings and being in that state of bliss and pleasure and ecstasy when true love is like loving the really hard parts and the really sad and horrible and like all of the density that exists on this planet with the abuse and the violence and the horror, which I've always shied away from because I don't want to even look at that stuff, but that's not real love. Real love is looking at that. And I'm like going to get emotional, like looking at that and actually feeling that. And that's how you love someone. And that's how you truly like, I don't even know, but it, but it's like, 
we can't turn that part of ourselves away. And I think so many of us have, and myself included, like specifically speaking about myself of like, just pretending like that doesn't exist, but it exists and it's all still love. And like, how can we love through that darkness? So it's like, I think I have such a deeper definition of love and I'm sure as I get older, it will continue to evolve. So it's so interesting hearing you say that. I'm like, oh yeah, that is part of it too. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Leia, you're so connected to it already. It's more a feeling than anything. And I felt that wave of emotion as you spoke. Mm. And it's so important for people to feel that if they're listening. I've had a lot of different experiences connecting with my guides, the, the different roster of beings that are supporting my life path. We all have them. And you know, in the early stages of connecting to them, I was so nervous. I was like, they're going to judge me that I'm not doing things fast enough, that I acted out of integrity, that I wasn't nice to this person. And every time I leave an interaction, it's this overwhelming sense of warmth. Mm. Like none of them are mistakes. It's like, we just want you to evolve and understand yourself as love, even in this human experience. Mm. Um, and I guess that that's, it bears sharing in relation to your life path, because you have this ability to look at even the people that our society has cast out, like the people committing these atrocities Mm. and seeing them as a soul that is on their unique path to spiritual evolution. Mm. Not that people shouldn't be held accountable to their actions. Of course, there need to be consequences and we need to hold boundaries, but can they be loving boundaries? Mm. Wow. Yes. Just yes. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I'm like going to keep that and just like hold that in my being. Cause just, yes, I have nothing more to say, but yes. <laughs> One thing I'll add. That's really beautiful. One of my best friends is born under your same life path. My partner's little sister. So I know a lot of people with this life path. And one thing that I've noticed is that they have the ability to hold love for everything, mm. even if it feels a little silly. Mm. So loving a dog as much as a person, loving a tree as much as a person, mm. loving all types of pers- people, just the same amount, being able to find something to love in every person. Mm. And when you're connected into your heart space, that's what, what you're most connected to more than other people. Mm. Wow. I, I love that. You know, people intimately connected in your life that have this life path. Cause there's 190 that can't be too, I guess. It, yeah, it could be rare, but that's so cool. I love that. I want to meet them now. <laughs> yeah. They're beautiful people. I, yeah. It's, it's really amazing. And I actually was interviewed on another podcast. It's called the yoga magic podcast. And this person was born under your same life path. And oh. so it's well-suited to podcast hosting. Wait, I, I know Ashley well, and I love Ashley. We love Ashley here. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Before I, I, I really want to ask you about singing and your connection to your voice. Will you tell us a bit more about (laughs) singing and your voice and yeah, how that connects you to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I love that we have this in common. I love it so much. I also think it's kind of inner child work for me in the sense that I feel like coming home to yourself is often revisiting the things that you knew in childhood. Mm. And so if you asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up uh, in second and third grade, I would have told you Michelle Branch. Because she was like expansive for me and she sang and people who grew up in the early 90s will get it. And then I also have this photo that I've kept of a whiteboard in my room 
and it says psychiatrist express your feelings for free we won't tell and I'm like beaming under this whiteboard so even at that age I knew that I wanted to sing and I wanted to do healing therapy therapeutic modalities and I sang a lot growing up I sang in the church I sang in choirs I sang competitively I sang opera in college wow and eventually, as I was kind of like shifting into work mode, make money, escape scarcity, et cetera, it was like, well, singing doesn't fit into this because it doesn't make me money back to that masculine, hyper-masculine culture. So I just completely abandoned it. And I stopped singing for many years, over a decade. And only in the past year and a half have I started just intuitively singing every morning. Oh. So I'll just like, I'll put on a, a spiritual song up into all the spiritual music and I'll just like hum and I'll move things. And like, sometimes it's guttural, like, ooh, ooh. And sometimes it's ethereal and very high pitched. And sometimes it's just sound. And I actually just two weeks ago started working with a sound healer who's mentoring me to do my own sound healings someday and to try out all of her different sound healing instruments and come back into my voice. And I have visions of leading like ceremonial concerts one day that, you know, don't really exist right now, but maybe they will. So now I'm curious, putting it back on you, what in my story sparks? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad I asked that question because that was kind of like lingering in the back of my head and I didn't know why I wanted to ask it. But first of all, I'm holding that vision for you for leading ceremonial concerts. I'm just, yes, I'm holding that for you. And just hearing you how how it you got disconnected from it because it didn't make money and I think I mean we talk a lot about creativity on this podcast and and I think creativity too is so it is connected to the feminine and a lot of the times we can get so masculine minded in our creativity because we want to be seen as good which again is so in that patriarchal binary we want to be seen as good we want to be seen as talented we want to know that our voice is good enough And if we can't sing like Michelle Branch, or if we can't sing like whoever, then we don't even want to try. But I think each of us have such a beautiful connection to our voice. I mean, every single one of us has a voice and every voice is going to sound differently, just like our soul's life path is different. And all of it is so beautiful. And even what you said about it kind of moving energy and like you kind of getting into that deep girl sounds like that sound. And if you dive into sound healing and sound frequency, it's like that does actually affect your cells and your atoms. Like it it can rearrange, it can rearrange your cells and like just being able to express from within you is not only so healing for yourself as you're singing, but also for the people that are receiving that frequency and that vibration. So I think it's such a beautiful, intimate way to connect And I know for myself too, like I have, I've taken voice lessons like throughout my life and I always got really vulnerable in my voice lessons because working with your voice is so vulnerable. And like, sometimes I wouldn't even be able to sing because I would feel my throat close up and I would feel like I couldn't even get the sound out because I was feeling this emotion or feeling this like cry but what if, and I'm, I'm thinking now, like, what if I had just allowed that to be part of it and allowed that, like, like that choked up cry to come out of my voice? And like, why was I judging that as bad or not sounding good or feeling like I needed 
I needed to sound a certain way. And I have, because I went to school for musical theater, there was a lot of, I guess, trauma that I had to work through of, you know, them really trying to mold you into a specific way and not really honoring your own authentic voice. But that's why I feel such a resonance with it now of being able to share that with others and that all of us are singers. Anyone can sing. Like if you can speak, you can sing. And so thank you for sharing that, that I'm so glad that you're reconnecting with that part of yourself and how beautiful that it's like reconnecting you to your inner child. And just, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people can relate to that. So yeah, just thank you. Oh, I'm so excited for you too. And I hallelujah hands when you were talking about all of us being singers, because it's true. Mm. It's so true. We all have a voice. We can all sing. And many of us have creativity wounds, art wounds, singing wounds. And it doesn't matter when it happened for you. It sounds like it happened in college. For me, it happened similar timing, or maybe we stopped drawing. Like all of us can draw. There are these things, these faculties that are available to all of us. And I love that we're ending on this note because this is a podcast about creativity. Mm. So dancing is another thing that exists and it it exists within all of us, like moving your body in a unique way. And singing is an intimate thing. So you hear someone's voice. It's like such a, like, I like want to sing right now. You know, it's like when you hear someone's voice, it's so intimate. Mm. When you hear someone's voice, it's so intimate. It's like, it's a very, it's like your soul is there in your voice. Mm. So. Wow. Thank you. Like for you to be able to just open up and go there because it is so, it's so vulnerable. And I'm just so grateful to have received that gift because it is such a gift. And I want everyone listening to know that, that it is such a gift. And it's like, I'm speechless of like what just being here in this space with you and you feeling free and safe enough to go there again is such a gift. So, and I hope that our kids are like, mom, what? Like <laughs> you were scared of singing. Like, this is the paradigm we're creating where it's like expression, individuality, like that, that theme mm. flowing through, like what a silly thing that we would feel scared to sing, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Nadia. I love asking people about creative resources. So any kind of resource that has either inspired you lately or maybe something related to human design, if people are interested and want to dive a little deeper, is there anything that you want to share with us? Yes. What's coming to me right now that you've likely talked about on the show, because it's about creativity, is the book, The Artist's Way. Mm. So I just recommend that to everyone. Everyone who wants to merge creativity with spirituality, come back to their humanity, experiencing just the multi-splendored thing, many splendored thing that it is to be alive. And then the book, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert was inspired by the artist's way, which of course you're nodding because, you know, this is creativity 101. Yes. Oh, but yeah, we love those. I also like creativity comes in very small things. Like I have, I'm looking at my container of all my writing utensils and it's a bunch of different, different colored markers. And so every morning when I sit down to journal, I like choose the color that I feel that day. Oh, Oh, I love it. And that's just like a small pocket of like, ooh, like fun, joy, inner child play. Yeah, that feels that feels 
sufficient for now. That's beautiful. Thank you. And then where can people find you? Where can they book readings with you? Yeah. Where can we find all of that? So you can find me at nadialast.com. L-A-S-T. My last name is last. People are kind of incredulous when they hear that. It's kind of silly. And then my Instagram is at nadialast underscore. Wow. Thank you, Nadia. And thank you I'm just feeling again, so honored to be in this space with you. Thank you for sharing insights about my chart. I, that was such a gift and just thank you for the gifts and the unique gifts that you bring to the world, because I truly feel that. And I'm just like blessed to know you. And I feel like I've known you for lifetimes, which is amazing because we probably have, even though this is the very first conversation that we're having, but just thank you. Yes. I just want to end by saying that it's not a coincidence that you grew up in Berkeley, California, and that's where I'm currently going to grad school. And now you're in Michigan where I grew up, like start to, if you want to see the universe as like a Harry Potter magic wonderland, start to ask yourself, what if nothing was a coincidence? Hmm. What if everything was a synchronistic breadcrumb? And I will say my favorite part of this conversation is coming away, knowing we're going to stay connected for a long time. Absolutely. Thank you, Nadia. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.